Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to the FAA podcast. Great to have Logan back on. Been a minute uh, in between shows, but uh, we're here. <laughs> yeah, great weekend of college football. Another uh, another weekend of upsets, really, and um, in college and NFL, really. But uh, we'll get you all caught up on what went down this weekend. Talk about some NFL news, some major news in the NFL. Um, and then uh, look at the games, the Monday night game tonight, Thursday night. And uh, we got Maction. We have six games of Maction between tomorrow and Wednesday. It's ridiculous. Maction in full flight. Um, right. November. Uh, we also have two games on Thursday for college as well, one which I think is going to be a pretty good one. But, uh, yeah, we had one game on Friday. There were actually three. We only covered one. Uh, Washington upsetting number 23, Oregon State. Uh, yeah, I lone wolfed the Beavers, and they almost got it done for me in Seattle. Uh, unfortunately, came up a little bit short. But, uh, yeah, Michael Penix played pretty well, 57.7%, 30 of, 30 of 52 298 touchdown and a pick. Uh, Goldbranson didn't do great at all. Um, but they had the running game of, of Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick. And, uh, yeah, I wish I would have been able to watch this game. I was working, however. But uh, seems like it turned out pretty competitive. Yeah, you know, this was a really close game for me to pick. And, you know, the results reflect that. And I mentioned it before, kind of, when those determinations, you know, when it's real close like that, I usually go to, like, all right, who's the home team? And, like, what does the quarterback situation look like? Went with Penix. He obviously hasn't really recaptured that super hot start that he had to the season, but he still played good. Um, and, yeah, that he got him to secure the dub. Yeah, Damian Martinez for the Beavers, like I mentioned, the 100-yard rusher in the game, 19 carries, 107 yards, a fumble and one 40-yard reception as well. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick for Oregon State also five carries, 37 yards, two touchdowns. And then Washington's running back, Wayne Talapapa, eight eight carries, 27 yards, two touchdowns, 100-yard receiver in this one. As always, anytime we have a Washington game, it's always Roma Dunze. Uh, Seven receptions, 102 yards in that one. And then defensive player of the game, I'm going with Oregon State. Linebacker Easton Mascarenas Arnold, great name, <laughs> EMA there. Three tackles, two solos, and a 37-yard pick six, helping the Beavers to uh, get close. Oregon State covered, plus four and a half, under 54. Saturday, number two Ohio State struggling in Evanston, Illinois, against Northwestern. They did get the win, 21-7, however, um, how about Brendan Sullivan outgaining C.J. Stroud in passing yards? Uh, 10 of 14, 71.4%, 79 yards, 10, 12 carries for 55 yards. Stroud struggled mightily. It was very windy in Evanston and more rushing yards than passing yards. 10 of 26 passing, 38.5%, 76 yards, 6 carries for 79 yards. Uh We'll talk about that, I guess, before I go over the rest of the board there. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is really interesting because 
there's so many factors at play when you look at how this game should be evaluated from teams that Ohio State's going to face. And then how is the NFL draft community and scouts going to be looking at this game for C.J. Stroud? I think some of it can be minimized based on the elements. Like you mentioned, it was it was garbage. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was tough conditions out there. With that said, I don't think it can completely dismiss just how poorly the offense looked. I think this is a really – it's going to be a game that so many um, teams – moving forward that Ohio State's going to face are going to look out and be like, okay, what did Pat Fitzgerald do to limit? And, and honestly, CJ Stroud, we're talking about that. But for me, living, limiting Marvin Harrison to five receptions for 50 yards, mm-hmm. that is, that's ginormous. Um, so yeah, it's going to be something to look at something to um, kind of monitor. The one positive for Stroud is that, he did really kind of showcase what he can do athletically. I think that's kind of been one of the big knocks on him so far is that while he does have the athletic ability, he doesn't really use it in the ways that some other guys have used coming out um, and some other guys in this draft use use their athleticism. So that's the one positive takeaway from him. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely in- interesting for sure. Yeah, Marvin Harrison, the only person that really – Marvin Harrison's really the only guy that that beat Penn State. <laughs> he's he's mm-hmm. on offense for Ohio State, anyways. Um, but um, I think big factor is other than the win was he was going up against what I consider. I haven't really heard his name too much, uh, but what I consider an NFL defensive back in Cameron Mitchell there at the bottom of the screen, um, very good player for Northwestern, and I think Northwestern's defense overall is actually pretty solid. They just have zero offense outside of Evan Hall, um, who I absolutely love. Evan Hall's a beast. Three down back, uh, 30 carries, 122 yards, a touchdown in this one. Also caught one ball for four yards. Uh, Mayan Williams for Ohio State had a great day. I guess Travion Henderson was uh, dinged up or something. I don't know. Uh, but Williams got the bulk of the carries for Ohio State, 26 carries, 111 yards. Two touchdowns in this one. Like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr. led the game in receiving five catches for 51 yards. Um, Amika Buka did not have a great receiving day, two catches for six yards, but he did have two carries for 21 yards and a rushing touchdown. Um, defensively, I'm going with my guy Cam Mitchell, like I said, uh, for Northwestern, four tackles, four, all of them solos. And uh, three pass deflections. Eichenberg also a good day. He always has a good day for Ohio State, though, leading tackler for the Buckeyes. Northwestern, easily covered, plus 37.5, and under 55 easily. Uh, Ohio State did extend its game streak, though, to 70, I believe it is now, um, of 20-plus points in a game. Their streak this season, however, first game they have not scored 40 or more. So, there you go. Number 7, TCU. They stay undefeated. 9-0 Horn Frogs, 34-24 over Texas Tech. Another comeback for the Horn Frogs. They are the uh, cardiac frogs, I guess. I don't know. Frantic, <laughs> frenetic frogs. I don't know what alliteration we can oh, I like that one. The yeah. frenetic frogs. <laughs> yeah, let's put that one. Uh, yeah, Max Duggan. Um, not great 
12 of 23, 52.2%, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Baron Morton, I wonder if, if Morton doesn't get injured, does Texas Tech win this game? Because Baron Morton went out, and then Tyler Schoff did not do great. Uh, Morton, 7 of 10, 70% completion, 79 yards and a touchdown. And like I said, Schoff, not great. 9 of 22, 40.9%, 78 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and a rushing touchdown. Um, but yeah, TCU, comeback kings right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. TCU, team of destiny here. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting as the SEC kind of takes shape, because now we're getting a really good picture right now of what the CFP is kind of looking like. And if I had to make a prediction right now with the way the SEC is shaking up, you know. It's going to be interesting to see who that first team out is and the debate around, um, you know, who should be in. I think if TCU goes undefeated, I think they'll be in. Um, yeah. I think they're going to get ranked number they four. have one loss, if they lose the, champ- the conference championship game, something like that happens, um, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Well, I am probably going to pick against them this week. Um a night game in austin i believe uh so i will probably pick against them this week and i think what's interesting i think they can afford to lose this game against texas close they lose it close it's an away game on the road it's on the road at night uh which i think are two big factors uh and then if they blow out everyone else the rest of the way think they would still get in as a one-loss Big 12 champion. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're going to be ranked number four coming up tomorrow night, uh, the next CFP release. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they will eventually get into the playoff, whether that's undefeated or one loss. But, again, I think the only time they can get one loss is next week. This coming weekend, I think, is their only time they can afford to have one loss. I think if it's after that, it's going to be too late to be able to uh, make up for it. Uh, TCU running back Kendra Miller, 21 carries, 158 yards, a touchdown, one catch for five yards. He's been a beast all season. Um, TCU wide receiver Tay Barber led the game in receiving, three catches, 62 yards. Also at the mention, TCU wide receiver Darius Davis, uh, three catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. And he opened the scoring in the game with the 82-yard punt return touchdown. He's been a return specialist beast this year. Uh, defensively, I don't know who I want to go with. Probably Texas Tech linebacker Josiah Pierre. Uh, five tackles, one solo, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss in a QB. Hurry. TCU did cover by one, minus nine. And, uh, under 68 and a half hit. Number 17 at North Carolina, 31-28 over Virginia. UNC also is uh, notable for comebacks this season, especially on the road. Mac Brown has five road wins for the first time since his first stint in Carolina, uh, which that last time he had five road wins was 98 <laughs> for the Tar Heels. But how about Drake May? Which, it was interesting. They were talking about this game on game day, and I thought May was a true freshman, He's actually a redshirt freshman because they were talking about him in the 2024 draft being a possible number one overall pick already. 
two drafts away. Um, but I see it. I, he is a beast, and I absolutely love what I see. He he does everything you want to see from a quarterback perspective. He reads defense as well. He can throw it from all different arm angles, and he's athletic, as you can see. 16 carries, 74 yards, a touchdown uh, to go along with his passing numbers. So I'm excited for Drake May in 2024. Yes, yep. He's he's a highly touted recruit coming out. Um, Mac Brown's highest rated recruit. Yep, and like you said, took the redshirt year, sitting behind Sam Howell, and has just been everything they could have hoped for and more. And he's kind of getting lost. I I mean, more people are definitely catching on to him now, obviously, because he's played lights out. But he kind of got lost in the shuffle with the Caleb Williams of Mm -hmm. it all and the USC kind of market of it all. That conversation between Caleb Williams and Drake May is going to be way closer than people think it's going to be come 2024. Um, Both guys are uber talented. Um, both have kind of similar profiles. I think May is a little bit um, bigger um, in terms of physicality. One, I, I think either it was Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He does their NFL draft stuff. Um, or Mike Renner of PFF said he kind of reminds them of Justin Herbert and, and kind of what he can do and kind of his stature. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, heck of a player. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Caleb Williams is going to end – with more experience, just a couple more games. You know, all the games he played at Oklahoma last year is going to be what the added extra would because they're going to have both have two full seasons by 2024 draft. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, but May passing-wise, 26 of 37, 70.3%, 293 yards, two touchdowns. I already mentioned his rushing statistics. Brennan Armstrong. Uh, he's a gunslinger. I, I do like Brennan Armstrong. He's a he's a good time uh, to watch. 17 of 35, 48.6%, 232 yards, and a pick, 12 carries, 64 yards, two rushing touchdowns there. Um, one big factor that has helped May a lot is the ground game for North Carolina has been great, uh, and it's because Elijah Green, 22 carries, 91 yards, a touchdown, and a 22-yard reception receiving touchdown as well in this game, uh, helping the Heels get the win. Um, Josh Downs, again, every time it's UNC, it's Josh Downs, and he is just a monster. Uh, probably a slot receiver in the NFL, right? He's a little bit smaller, I believe, six one, six foot. I think he might be even smaller than that. He might be 5'11", kind of that 175 and that kind of mold of like a Darnell Mooney, a yeah. uh, John Dotson type. Um, but the big thing about him is his deep threat ability. I think he can win on the outside based on that. Um, and it's it's one of those things that is going to help propel him into right now, based on what I've seen, he's kind of on that fringe early second, late first. He keeps playing like this and showing what he can do athletically. I think he's a shoe in for the first. Yeah. And if North Carolina keeps winning, I mean, they'll get bigger and bigger games coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 receptions here, 166 yards and a touchdown. I wish college will put targets. Uh, I wish ESPN will put targets on there because <laughs> he's probably getting like 20 targets a game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, 15. He, he Drake May only completed nine, uh, 11 other balls to, to different mm-hmm. other receivers. Um 
It's just crazy. Uh, defensively, I don't know. Uh, probably going to go with the top guy. North Carolina linebacker Cedric Gray, 16 tackles, 10 of them solo, one sack, two tackles for loss, two pass deflections there. Do also love Nick Jackson for UVA. He is a he's a pretty good player as well. Uh, of course, Storm Duck, the great name there for the DB from UNC. Uh, Virginia covered, though, plus seven, under 61 and a half. Number 19, Tulane, roll green wave, 27-13 over Tulsa. Um, Braylon Braxton for the Golden Hurricanes, 13-25, 146, one touchdown, 13 carries, 32 yards. Michael Pratt had been playing lights out, really didn't do much in this game, uh, except for a beautiful touchdown throw on, on his one score that he had. 11 of 19, 57.9%. 125, two touchdowns, a pick, um, 11 carries for 36 yards. But it's the running game uh, was just outstanding for Tulane. And my guy, Tajay Spears, love Tajay Spears. 14 carries, 157 yards, one touchdown, and a six-yard catch. And then a guy I had not seen before uh, for Tulane, but he had the exact same amount of carries, Shoddy Clayton Johnson. Uh, 14 carries, 106 yards in this game. I absolutely am on the Green Wave boat. They're going to go win the AAC, and they're going to get to a New Year's Six Bowl and compete. Yeah, dude, the the inner child in me is loving all of this because Tulane was my dynasty (laughs) in 2003 NCAA on the PS2, dude. I loved the logo, loved the green wave mascot. Um, So, yeah, the inner, you know, child Logan in me is super happy for them. Um, And additionally... You know, the American Conference is just really good at producing these teams that, like, every year they have at least one or two teams that can mix it up with the other Power Five, um, you know, conferences. And, yeah, so I'm really excited to see kind of what Tulane can do coming up here. Willie Fritz, man, he is a masterful coach. Um, Leading receiver in the game, Tulane wide receiver Deuce Watts. Also a pretty good player. Two receptions, 42 yards. Um, defensively, I don't know. Probably going to go with Tulane linebacker Dorian Williams. 13 tackles, five solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Tulane cover, minus seven, under 56. Wisconsin, the Badgers getting it done over Maryland, 23-10. Yes, I lone wolfed the Terrapins. Uh, but the th- like, it's because Wisconsin just ran the ball. That's all they did. Uh, that's all they ever do, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Talia Tagovailoa really struggled. Ten of twenty-three, forty-three and a half percent, seventy-seven yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, eleven carries for nineteen yards. Graham Mertz still sucks. Uh, <laughs> five of eighteen. How about twenty-seven point eight percent completion? Love to see that. 77 passing yards there as well. Um, but it's the running backs. Braille and Allen, 23 carries, 119 yards, a touchdown. Isaac Garendo, uh, 12 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. But 
98 of those yards for Grendo were on one carries, his touchdown runs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Badgers, though, have some semblance of life one win away from a bowl game. Yeah, you know, it, it's been kind of on the up and up since they, they made the change. And, you know, I was never on the fully on the Paul Christ fire train i think paul chris is, is a decent coach at the same time however i've always loved jim leonard and i never wanted to get in a position to where jim leonard left the building for a better opportunity um and when he was named interim head coach i identified four games that would define whether or not he gets the job or not and it was at michigan state the game against Purdue, Maryland, and then what'll be um, the rivalry game against Minnesota. Um, you could add add Iowa in there because again, it's another rivalry game. Um, you know, good defense in Iowa, but man, that offense is bad. <laughs> but so those are the four games I identified, and so far he's won two of those. And the only one he lost was a tough road game against Michigan State, where they they lost real close in OT. So he's looked really good. Um, it's it's very encouraging um and you know you, you look at these stats and these splits here wisconsin's not going to lose many games where these are the splits where their running backs do that damage and, and the defense controls the game um but like they do so yeah uh roman hemby did his stuff that he needed to do averaging 4.1 yards per carry 16 carry 66 yards guy i mentioned in this preview on friday uh, it's just Talia did not. Uh, he struggled mightily, and their offensive line couldn't protect him because, uh, as he, my defensive player of the game, I mean, Nick Herbig was, was everywhere. Four tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, three tackles for loss, pass deflection, and a QB hurry. Um, so that was a big factor. They weren't able to protect uh, Talia and uh, probably why he struggled. Yeah, Nick Herbig is going to be a very interesting prospect for teams that run true outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, leading receiver in the game, Maryland tight end C.J. Dipre. I believe that's how you say it. Um, two receptions, 36 yards. Wisconsin cover, minus 5.5, under 47.5. Why would you not take an under in a Wisconsin game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baylor, I was uh, – this game was really good. 38-35 over Oklahoma, and I knew I should have went with Baylor. I mentioned on Friday my I, – I thought of Baylor, and I was just like, yes, Baylor – but Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> and I, I couldn't pick against Dylan Gabriel – uh unfortunately he threw three interceptions cost him the game really um but uh yeah gabriel 22 of 34 64.7 percent 261 yards two touchdowns three picks nine carries 70 yards and a touchdown uh blake shapen for baylor 14 to 23 60.9 percent 132 yards a pick um but the running game <clears throat> i was surprised richard reese I don't know what happened to him, why he didn't get a lot of run in this game. I don't know if he was dinged up or what. It's okay. They got Craig Williams. <laughs> 23 carries, 
or 25 carries, 192 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Baylor just seems to – it doesn't matter what guy is getting the ball. Baylor continues to just run the ball effectively for most of the season. Yeah, you know, this was a really tough game for me to pick. Um, and I like Dylan Gabriel, but he is definitely one of those quarterbacks where – I think you live and die by kind of what Dylan Gabriel can do. He can either win you the game or he, he can cost you and put you in some some tough positions. So, yeah, you know, it, it's we all knew this was going to be a growing pains year um, for Oklahoma. And honestly, I am encouraged by just how competitive they've been. You know, there's only been a few games where they've kind of just been like, wow. You know, the Texas game being one of them. Um, yeah. But for the most part, they've even though they're at five and four, they've been competitive uh, in, in what is assuredly a uh, a rebuilding year. Yeah, and I just wanted to check um, to see. Okay, so they're gonna get one more year of Dylan Gabriel. Luckily for Brent Venables, um, <clears throat> he's a junior, a redshirt junior, but. Uh, Eric Gray, also a good game, 100 yards on the ground, 23 carries, 106 yards, two touchdowns, eight receptions for 58 yards. He's going to be a great late-round, third-down receiving back in the NFL. That is exactly the future of Eric Gray. Uh, as much as I love him running the ball, he is a elite pass catcher in my mind out of the backfield. <clears throat> um Marvin Mims, leading receiver on the day, four catches, 120 yards, a touchdown. Most of that coming on a bomb from Gabriel. That was one of the goods on the day for Gabriel. Uh, and then defensively, not much here in this one, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma defensive lineman Jalen Redmond. Two tackles, both of them solos, one sack, two tackles for loss. Baylor plus three, over 61 and a half. Go damn dogs. Number three, Georgia. Completely dominating. Number one, Tennessee, 27-13. Stetson Bennett, 17-25, 68%, 257 yards, two touchdowns, and a 13-yard touchdown run. Hedden Hooker struggled, 23-33, 69.7%, 195 yards a pick, 18 carries, 17 yards. Look, when Stetson has the mojo rolling <laughs> and it's just like he is him, like, it, there is no stopping that Georgia offense. They run the ball well. They set up the deep shots are just lethal from Stetson. And then he doesn't he hasn't really ran the ball very much the last five games. But he does enough, and he does that where he shakes and bakes and, and gets into the end zone when he needs to. And and the defense is just elite. 13 players drafted off that Georgia defense. And they're still number one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because they've obviously had so much success over the past few seasons because of that defense. And that's the the major reason for their championships. But if you're wanting to beat Georgia, 
you got to do exactly what you just said. You got to make sure that Stetson Bennett is not feeling himself. Because if he's feeling himself, that offense gets moving, um, and it can be a problem. I I picked Tennessee in this one because I, I went against what my head was telling me. I went with the, you know, Tennessee kind of feels like a team of destiny pick. Um, but it was definitely a tough decision. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Georgia, like you said, if Stetson Bennett is on one, Georgia is all but unstoppable because of how good that defense is. So it, it's it's funny to talk about, but if you want to stop Georgia, you have to stop Stetson Bennett. Yeah, and I mean, the crazy thing is, like, so he does not have the stats, right, to be a Heisman yeah. candidate. But now people are putting him there because of what he means to the offense. And, I mean, I think that's that's why he should be in it. Um, I think people look into the stats too much as a Heisman race uh, and look into team success um, when there are a lot of guys that are playing on – very good teams or not so good teams that are having fantastic seasons. Um, but obviously we always look to the, the people that are undefeated, one loss, two loss, or in the playoff, close to the playoff, New Year's Six Bowl, whatever. Um, but, it's, I mean, same thing that happens in the NFL with the MVP. It's not, it's not really the most valuable player. It's what quarterback has the best stats in the NFL and uh, has a successful team. <laughs> but, yeah. I just uh, Georgia has three more games. Uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State on the road, uh, so they are going to have to get up. For those two teams, uh, people are a lot of people are throwing them away, like that Georgia's just going to beat them easily. I don't think so. Uh, can, the Kentucky game, especially, is uh-huh. in Lexington, and it's the SEC on CBS game at at three thirty Eastern. Uh, so that's going to be a big one. I know a lot of people. Obviously, Georgia's probably going to go to number one tomorrow night, and it's going to put the target back on Georgia's back. Um, so I know Kirby won't allow his players to look forward. They're not even going to think about SEC championship uh, until the SEC championship. <laughs> and they only have to win one of the two SEC games left um, in order to get to clinch the SEC East. Um, and then they all obviously have the rivalry rivalry game against Georgia Tech in Athens uh, the last week of the regular season. So it's, it's going to be relatively easy um, the last three weeks. Uh, they're not going to get complacent, though. And Kirby's... I would say, I mean... I know he's Saban is Saban, but I, in my mind, kind of biased opinion, I think that Kirby is now the best coach in college football. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there. I mean, if you go off of recent, you know, there might be a tinge of recency bias there, but I don't think it's unfounded. Um, I think he definitely has a case to be um, – the best um, coach in college football. And it goes back to consistency across the board. You mentioned 13 guys drafted. That defense is still as good as it was last year. And no Nolan Smith in this game. Yeah. Yep. Robert Beal went out as well. Yep. So, 
It is. It is very impressive. And I think the hallmark of a good coach at the collegiate level, I mean, or really any level, is consistency. You know, establishing a program, knowing what you're about, and then just consistently winning um, over time. And I heard also that apparently Georgia is about to close in on uh, moving into the top spot in the 2023 class rankings, uh, recruiting class after this game because it was a massive shift um, for recruits at Georgia. Um, thinking about, obviously, I, I would I would have to think that a lot of recruits that Georgia was having uh, were also on Tennessee's list. And, mm-hmm. and this probably swayed them a little bit toward the dogs. Uh, but just to get back into the numbers here, Leading runner on the day, Jalen Wright for Tennessee. 21 carries, 69 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Um, Lad McConkey had a great day for the Dogs. Five catches, 94 yards, a touchdown. And uh, defensively, have to go with uh, defensive back Javon Bullard. Uh, seven tackles, all of them solos. Two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a pass deflection. Tennessee literally could not stop the slot blitz. And Bullard was timing it perfectly uh had the game ending sack of hendon hooker on tennessee's last offensive drive there and uh yeah it was just a masterful game plan by kirby and the uh, georgia coaching staff uh and how about jalen carter too that was a safety by the way um i know we got a touchdown after that but I have no clue how replay did not see that as a safety. Like, what are you doing? The offensive lineman was clearly down. The entire ball did not get out of the end zone. I have no clue how that wasn't a safety. But It has been great to see that Jalen Carter is still that dude. Yeah. But he hasn't played bad when he's been in there, but he's been so banged up that we just haven't seen enough of him. Fully healthy in this um, game. <laughs> but he is, yeah, he's he is the problem, dude. His get off is so special at that size. That's that's the X factor that you're looking for on the D line across the board. But when you have a guy at his size being able to do that, it can just change so much um, across the line and what you're trying to do there. So yeah. And we're nine games into the season. I still don't know a lot of the freaking Georgia defensive player names. <laughs> and luckily Jalen Carter's on that front because I don't know well, they have, like they have anyone so around him <laughs> yeah they have so much talent that they're able to rotate and keep guys fresh yeah. so uh, but yeah Georgia covered minus 10 uh, which is crazy I didn't even know it got up to 10 because uh, like in the morning during game day it was 8.5 and, uh, and apparently it went, swayed 1.5 points by game time which is ridiculous uh, under 65 and a half easily in this game. How about uh, number eight, Oregon? Bo Nix, 49-10, romp over Colorado. Knew that was going to happen. Colorado sucks. <laughs> As I always say, both Colorado teams are just trash, state and Colorado. Um, but, yeah, Bo Nix, 20-24, 83.3%, 274 yards, two touchdowns. Nine carries, 16 yards, another two touchdowns. And then he caught an 18-yard touchdown reception as well. Um, Oregon was just throwing out all the plays in their playbook in this game. Uh, 
because uh, Bucky Irving, who has been a, be- uh, a beast for them, 11 carries, 120 yards a touch. And then uh, he had one catch for zero yards, and he threw the pass to Bo Nix for an 18-yard touchdown pass. They also had offensive lineman Josh Connery Jr. Uh, catch a four-yard touchdown reception. And then they had linebacker Noah Sewell uh, run a one-yard touchdown in as well. So they were just like having fun. Bo, you draw up whatever play you want, and we'll run it. Like put it on the football, like backyard, yeah. but on, this, the, on the playground. But Oregon's success is exactly why it doesn't matter if Georgia loses one more game. Uh, because of the win against Tennessee, the absolute demolishing of Oregon in week one, uh, and Oregon continues to win eight in a row now. Georgia's essentially in the playoff, one loss or not. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, you know, it is... I want to say two things about Bo Nix. I want to preface it by saying, like, he has played really well since kind of the start of the season where he really struggled. He's really come on. My issue is is that I'm starting to see a lot of hype around Bo Nix. Against who? Uh, (laughs) Especially in terms of draft coverage. And I'm telling you right now, some team is going to draft Bo Nix. (laughs) They're going to miss out on Stroud, Young, maybe Levis. Levis kind of comes on at the end of the season here. And they're going to take a chance on him, and they're going to regret it. Because I just do not think he is that guy. Just because you look like Justin Herbert, from kind of a size, a look standpoint, does not mean you are. Uh, I think he still has a long way to go in terms of his processing. Um, so, yeah. look Looking at you, Indianapolis. Looking at you, <laughs> Carolina. Don't, don't fall for the bait. Just, just be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. No, the, the Panthers are – we already have our guy, and his, he, he wears a crimson number nine jersey right now, and uh, his initials are B-Y. But um, anyways, yeah, it, it, some team's going to just – we're, we're going to look at his Oregon film. He, I don't know yeah. where he played before that, but, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, just, yeah. we're not going to look at that one, those years. So we're just going to look at his Oregon games. <laughs> and they're going to throw out the first, like, four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, yeah. looking too great. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to pick the Colorado game. We're going to mm-hmm. pick the uh I don't know who else they play that they just destroyed. Not the not not good teams. Like we're not going to look at the UCLA game. <laughs> Even though they get they did kill UCLA. Uh <laughs> But yeah. It's uh Bo Nix's interesting specimen that uh will probably get drafted too high like you said. Um but, yeah, Bucky Irving, I already mentioned him. Uh, Colorado had a 100-yard receiver in this game. Jordan Tyson, five catches, 137 yards, a touchdown. Um, JT Strout, I forgot to mention his stats, 17-34, 50%, 247. Touchdown, two picks for him in this one. Um, defensively, I'm going to go with Oregon defensive back Christian Gonzalez, three tackles, two solos, and two interceptions yeah so so the games we're going to evaluate for bo nicks we're going to evaluate the eastern washington game 
<laughs> we're going to look at the uh, the Arizona game, the Cal game, and the Colorado game. <laughs> Generational. This is the four. <laughs> yeah. uh, Oregon covered minus 31 under 62 and a half. But we're going to see Bo Nix here, right? Gauntlet coming up to end the season. Hosting Washington, hosting Utah. And then, who is going to get them? The Beavers! In Corvallis. Yep. I hope Chance Nolan is back for that game. I don't know if he's healthy or not, if that's why Good Gold Branson has been playing or not. But, just saying. The Beavers going to give him a fight. Uh, Okay. Number 15, Penn State. We are 45-14, crushing Indiana um, in Bloomington. Sean Clifford, 15-23, 65.2%, 229 yards, one pick. Wasn't his fault. Went off the receiver's hands, uh, tipped up into the defensive back. Uh, yeah, there were five quarterbacks that played in this game, ridiculously enough. Jack Tuttle got the start. For Indiana, 9 of 12, 75 yard, 75%, 82 yards at a touchdown. He was actually playing very well. Uh, and then he got hurt. Uh, so that went Indiana's day. Uh, but Drew Aller, dude, I am so... You don't know how excited I am for Penn State 2023. Uh, we have some young guys playing on defense right now that are going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to lose Joey Porter and uh, Jair Brown in the secondary but it's okay. We have a, a bunch of young guys playing there. We have a relatively young offensive line as well who got a lot of work this year. And when we get Drew Aller, a full season of Drew Aller, and he's getting all this experience this year already, we got him, Nicholas Singleton, and Katron Allen, our freshmen, true freshmen. We got some young receivers. Uh, Parker Washington's going to be gone because he'll, he'll go to the draft. Um and Mitchell Tinsley will be gone because he's a grad transfer. But um, if we can get some receivers to step up, I mean, I'm very excited for 2023 Penn State. Yeah. Are you sure Sean Clifford's not going to exercise some kind of eighth-year option or, like, get, get another <laughs> degree to, to extend it to his 20th season or not? Um, but, but no, yeah, uh, Alar is very, is very promising. I know that there have been, you know, some calls to get him up, maybe some more playing time over Clifford this season. Um, but it is good that, that you get in situations like this where you can get him some valid experience on the field. And I think even though they lost to Ohio state, I think what Penn state, how they were able to compete was really encouraging. Um, and I think they will be a team that's going to make some noise uh, in bowl season, probably get an NY6, um, potentially. Yeah. yeah, and the way their schedule sets up, I mean, they're set up to win 10 games again. Um, and like you said, go to a New Year's Six. Uh, but yeah, Aller, 9 of 12, 75%, 75 yards, two touchdowns, three carries, 11 yards. The other two quarterbacks for Indiana, uh, Dexter Williams, the second, 4 of 11. 36.4%, 41 yards, two picks, four carries, 24 yards. And then Brendan Soresby, three of six, 50%, eight yards, and a pick. Katron Allen led the way, uh, rushing 18 carries, 86 yards, career high, three touchdowns. 
two catches for 72 yards. It's interesting. I was most excited about Nicholas Singleton uh, in the beginning of the year, and Catron Allen's really been the guy that has taken that number one running back role, the the lower-ranked recruit, because Nicholas Singleton was the number two running back, uh, or number one running back. I don't remember uh, what it was in the 22 class. But, um, yeah, Allen has really been the guy. So we'll have uh, Aller to Allen next year <laughs> for Penn State. Uh, but, yeah, Mitchell Tinsley, mentioned him. He's the leading receiver on the day, five catches, 63 yards. Um, and then defensively, probably going to go with uh, the top guy there, Penn State linebacker Kobe King, eight tackles, five solos, two and a half tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Penn State cover minus 13 and a half, easily over 50. Michigan State upset, and you called it. Sparty getting it done in Champaign, 23-15 over number 16, Illinois. Um, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I've maintained the uh, position that Illinois has been fraudulent. Uh, and I've just kind of been waiting for, you know, a matchup to where I was like, I think that this is the team that they kind of lose to. And I think, and what it came down to me is I think Michigan State's better than what their record implies. And I think Illinois is not as good as their record implies. Um, Chase Brown is a, an exceptional running back. Um, and their offense flows through him. And not to say that Illinois is a bad, bad football team. Um, I think they're still going to finish the season strong, um, get a decent bowl game, and make some noise. Um, but I just think that little overhyped, not sure that they are warranted to have a number 16 ranking. Obviously, they will probably fall from that after this game. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, Illinois is probably still going to go Big Ten championship game, uh, I would assume. They are the only team in the West with one loss, I think. Um, but looking at the team stats, I don't understand how they lost this game. They were uh, better on third down, 6 of 17, as opposed to 3 for 11 on, against Michigan State. They had eight more first downs, 25 to 17. 441 total yards to 294 for Michigan State. And they were equal in the turnover battle, one-to-one. And they also had um, almost four minutes more time of possession. And uh, the only thing that I see on here is a crazy one-for-six on fourth down. So I wonder if... They didn't take points in the red zone. And, well, that's what it looks like. The first drive they had, yeah. From the from the start of the game, the first play of the game was a pick for Michigan State. Uh, Peyton Thorne threw a pick on, the, on his first play of the game. And then uh, Illinois went down to the Michigan State 2 and threw an incompletion on fourth and goal. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, they just... See, that one I don't understand. 
Fourth and 19 from the Michigan State 29, you go for it. I, that one, I don't, I don't get that one. Um, that one, fourth and two from the Michigan State 20. Didn't get it, got one yard instead of two. And then uh, fourth and 10 from their own 13-yard line. Down 23-15 in the fourth. Had to go for it there. But, yeah, th probably that first one that they went for didn't get it. Probably cost them when it was a one-possession game at the end, eight points. Um, but, yeah, Tommy DeVito for the Illini, 25 of 37, 67.6%. 288 yards, two touchdowns. Peyton Thorne, 19 of 29, 65.5%. 182, two touchdowns, a pick. Six carries, 10 yards. Uh, yeah, we mentioned Chase Brown. He continues to be great. 33 carries, 136 yards. A fumble, two receptions, 21 yards. Um, Isaiah Williams has been a, had a great season for Illinois, leading the game in receiving. Five catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns for him. And uh, defensively, got to go with Michigan State linebacker Cal Halliday. He's one of my favorite players on Michigan State. Nine tackles, six solos, a half a sack, three and a half tackles for loss. Michigan State plus 16 under 41. Kansas upsetting number 18, Oklahoma State, 37-16. Look, I would have never picked Oklahoma State if I didn't if I would have known Spencer Sanders wasn't playing this game. Alright. Uh Garrett Wrangle, who I have never heard of. I don't even know. Okay, so if Spencer Sanders wasn't playing, I would assume that Gunnar Gundy would have been the, the guy to play. But Gunnar Gundy didn't play either, and it was Wrangle instead. 27 of 40, 67.5%, 304 yards, two touchdowns. He threw three picks. He's a true freshman, I believe. 10 carries, 14 yards. Um... And Jason Bean was electric. Uh, you got a lot of help from Devin Neal. But but uh, Jason Bean had a very nice day. No turnovers for him. Yeah, you know, this is, a, this is an impressive win by Kansas. Nice to see them kind of get back on the horse after kind of toppling from what was an electric start to the season. Like you said, this is a much different ball game if Spencer Sanders plays, I think. Um, but not to take anything away from Kansas, which is still a very good win, a statement win, if you will, uh, for them. Bowl eligible for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never seen Kansas very good. So. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, being – 18-23, 78.3%, 203 yards, two touchdowns, four carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown there. And like I said, Devin Neal was just crazy good. 32 carries, 224 yards. That's seven yards per carry. One touchdown, six receptions for another 110 yards. So 334 all-purpose yards for Devin Neal in this game. Uh, crazy. Um Bryson Green, the leading receiver on the day. Uh, Oklahoma State, nine catches, 105 yards. And defensively got to go with Kansas corner Kobe Bryant. We have another 
corner named Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Not just the Seahawks corner, but yes, there is a Kansas corner now. Kobe with two E's instead of I-E, as the Seahawks guy spells it. Uh, but six tackles, four solos, a half a tackle for loss, two pass deflections, and a pick. Kansas cover minus three, under 59 and a half. Pitt upset 19-9 over number 20 Syracuse, Keaton Slovis. 16-23, 69.6%, 176 yards a pick. Uh, again, I didn't know that uh, Mr. Schrader wasn't playing in this one. But uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, 8 of 23, 34.8%, 120 yards really was, was terrible. Um, and Sean Tucker absolutely did nothing in this game. 10 carries, 19 yards, 2 catches for 3 yards. Uh, Israel Bonaconda was out for this one. But uh, Rodney Hammond Jr. said, I got you, bro. <laughs> 28 carries, 124 yards, touchdown. One catch for zero yards. Yeah, this is a tough game for me to pick. Like you said, I think similar to the other game, it's, it's a much different conversation of Schrader's playing. Um, he's been very good for them. Um, but Pittsburgh is another team that I think is much better than their record. Um, they've had some tough breaks with some injuries at some unfortunate times. They've played a fairly tough schedule. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I think they are a much more competitive team than maybe their their record suggests. Yeah, got to figure it out uh, for Syracuse. Three straight losses now. Got to stop the hemorrhaging at some point <laughs> and get, get Tucker back to what he was early in the season. But uh, leading the game and receiving pit wide receiver Jared Wayne has had a great year. Six catches, 102 yards. Threw a pass, and it was an interception for him. <laughs> uh, defensively, how about the day for Pitt defensive lineman Deslin Alexander? Seven tackles, three solos, two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, a pass selection, and a safety. Pitt cover minus three and a half, under 47 and a half, easily. Number 25, UCF, tough one over Memphis, 35-28. Seth Hennigan, 26-39, 66.7%, 284 yards, one touchdown. Two picks, 16 carries, 69 yards, a touchdown for the Tigers quarterback. Um, John Rice Plumley still injured. So Mikey Keene had a really good day, 22-28, of 78.6% completion, 219 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. And uh, UCF, probably going to be the team to face Tulane in the AAC championship game. That is going to be such a fun game to watch. It's going to be strength on strength. What was that? It's going to be strength on strength, Tulane defense versus UCF offense. Yep. Yeah, UCF has been impressive this year. Um, Really, you know, kind of statement win against Cincinnati uh, last week. Um, and to follow it up, having your, your QB1 banged up and still pulling out the dub against Memphis, um, really encouraging. And, yeah, like you said, that, that Tulane game is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Keene got some help from his running back, R.J. Harvey, in this one. 17 carries, 151 yards, a touchdown, 
and a seven-yard reception. The other running back for UCF, Isaiah Bowser, 15 carries, 67 yards. He threw a four-yard touchdown as well. Um, leading receiver in the game, UCF wide receiver Kobe Hudson, six receptions, 85 yards, two touchdowns for him. And then I got to also put point out UCF wide receiver Ryan O'Keefe, double-digit catches on the day, 10 catches, 75 yards. Defensively, going with uh, the top guy, Memphis linebacker Xavier Collins. 13 tackles, 7 solos, 1 sack, 1.5 tackles for loss. UCF cover, minus 3, over 60.5. Conference USA matchup, UTSA, 44-38 over UAB in double overtime. Uh, Really crazy game here. Jacob Zeno. For the Blazers, 27 of 38, 71.1%. 332 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. 15 carries, 37 yards, another uh, a rushing touchdown as well. And Frank Harris, I love Frank Harris, man. Uh, for the Roadrunners, 22 of 31, 71%, 285 yards. Four passing touchdowns, eight carries for 35 yards as well. Um this one annoyed me though it was not on any network i could not watch this game so was this an espn plus game no it was it didn't have a network attached to it oh okay yeah interesting but it was a fun game (laughs) uh 300 yard rushers or uh, 200-yard rushers on this one. Dwayne McBride for UAB, 19 carries, 141 yards, two touchdowns. Kavorian Barnes for UTSA, 16 carries, 114 yards, a touchdown. Two catches for 38 yards. 100-yard uh, receiver here, UAB wide receiver, Taewon Palmer. Eight catches, 110 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Shropshire, always a, a beast for UAB. Had close to 100 yards, 7 for 97 and a touchdown. And then my guy, who I, I absolutely love, UTSA wide receiver, Zachary Franklin. Seven receptions, 93 yards, and two touchdowns for him. Yeah, Zachary Franklin's going to be a guy uh, to, to kind of watch here. He's definitely got some traction in, in the NFL draft. He keeps performing like this. He's going to be one of those guys who it's going to be fun to scout. I don't think he's a he's a Pittsburgh Steeler kind of guy though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, defensively, gonna go with uh, UTSA corner Corey Mayfield Jr. Four tackles, three solos, one sack, one tackle for loss, two pass deflections, and a pick. He is always on our thing when we have UTSA games. UTSA cover minus two and a half, uh, over fifty three easily. How about the upset? No one picked Liberty, but the Flames and Hugh Freeze went into Fayetteville, Arkansas and beat the Hogs 21-19. Uh, it was getting scary, though. It was it was scary hours for Liberty at the end because <laughs> K.J. Jefferson had a chance to tie it with a two-point conversion and couldn't do it. Um but K.J. Jefferson, 23 of 37, 62.2%, 284 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, 16 carries for 37 yards. And Jonathan Bennett had a great game for Liberty. 
uh, 15 of 25, 60%, 224, uh, three touchdowns, a pick, nine carries for 18 yards. And, uh, but yeah, the Flames continue eight and one. This was their toughest game of the year, I believe. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about establishing consistency and surviving turnover. How about your NFL starting caliber quarterback leaves for the draft and you're still sitting at eight and one the following year? Hugh Freeze has got those guys playing tough in Liberty. Yeah, and their only loss, a one-point loss to, to Wake Forest on the road. Um, they have now beaten back-to-back quality teams, uh, crushing BYU two weeks ago, 41-14, and now beating Arkansas, SEC team. Uh, Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders for Arkansas, leading the game in rushing, 17 carries, 60 yards, two catches for 25 yards, 200-yard receivers in this one. Uh, that's an NFL guy right here, Demario Douglas, uh, seven receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. And then uh, the trader, as I call him, Matt Landers, the door to transfer a couple years ago, uh, six catches, 119 yards on the day. Arkansas tight end Trey Knox also two catches, 13 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, defensively, Liberty defensive end Darrell Johnson, nine tackles, four solos, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. Liberty plus 14 and a half, under 61 and a half easily. Cincinnati 20 to 10 over Navy. Ben Bryant, 25 of 35, 71.4%, 299, two touchdowns. Uh, two quarterbacks played for Navy, Masai Maynard, 3 of 5, 60%, 81 yards, one rushing touchdown. And then their starting quarterback, Xavier Arline, completed his only pass for three yards, uh, but he also had 12 carries for 87 yards. Pretty boring game. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Cincinnati player led the game in rushing outside of our line there uh running back charles mcclelland for the bearcats 11 carries 60 yards one catch for three yards um and then cincinnati wide receiver tyler scott great day 10 receptions 139 yards two touchdowns yeah good get back game for cincy it's always nice when you can follow up a loss with navy (laughs) Yeah, maybe not not very good this year. Uh, defensively, I'm going to go with uh, Navy linebacker John Marshall. Ten tackles, five solos, one sack, three tackles for loss, a pass deflection, and one QB hurry. Uh, Navy covered easily, plus 18.5, under 43.5 easily. Sunbelt here, South Alabama, 38-31. Close one over Georgia Southern. I watched this game, and it was it was quite the game. Um, but I was happy that the Jags pulled it out. I've been uh, on the Jags bandwagon for most of the season. So uh, happy for them. But Kyle Van Treese, the Buffalo transfer for Georgia Southern, 26 of 45, 57.8%, 278 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Carter Bradley. He is the uh, Toledo transfer, I believe. I always, re- I can never remember if it's Toledo or Kent State. 
but uh, 16 to 27, 59.3 percent, 193, one touchdown, two picks. Um, Ladamian Webb back to back weeks over 200 rushing yards. This man has just completely dominated his Sun Belt opponents. Uh, 35 carries, 247 yards, 7.1 yards per carry, and four rushing touchdowns. Um, he is, uh, like I said, just killing everyone in the Sun Belt that he faces. So might have to keep an eye out for Ladamian Webb coming up here. Uh, I want to see what year he is. He is a junior, and uh, like I said, the last two games... Yeah, 162 yards and three touchdowns last week against Arkansas State. 247 yards, four touchdowns this week. Um, so, yeah. Gotten a chance and it's taken advantage. <laughs> Fun belt, man. There, there's some teams in that in that conference right now. That it's fun. It's, it's the group of five Big 12s this year. Rank them. Rank the Jags. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, no, they'll probably rank like a, a six and three Texas team. Uh, or the Texas already ranked, but uh, they'll probably rank some six and three team instead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, leading receiver in the game, Georgia Southern wide receiver Derwin Burgess the Jr. Eight receptions, ninety six yards, a touchdown. And uh, got to go with uh, my defensive player of the game, Georgia Southern linebacker Kadri Jackson. 10 tackles, 7 solos, 43-yard pick, 6. Uh, South Alabama covered, minus 3.5, over 60.5. Troy over Louisiana, 23-17. This was a comeback game. I watched this one as well. I was watching all the Sunbelt games this week. <laughs> uh, but Gunnar Watson made it happen, 21 of 35, 60% completion, 223 yards, 2 touchdowns, a pick. Ben Woolridge for Louisiana, 13 of 29, 44.8%, 112 yards, uh, nine carries, 39 yards, two rushing touchdowns here. Trojans uh, running back Kimani Vidal, leading rusher in the game, 21 carries, 117 yards, a touchdown, three catches for 14 yards. Uh, leading receiver in the game, Troy wide receiver Rajay Johnson, five receptions, 79 yards. And defensively, quite a day for Louisiana defensive lineman Zion Hill-Green. Uh, four tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, four tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Yeah, the the I didn't think there was much competition in Sunbelt West, but besides South Alabama, but I f- always forget about Troy, and they're both 7-2 and two now in the West. And it's going to be interesting to see both divisional races coming up uh, with really the East leading to a division-clinching game between JMU and Coastal the last week of the season. And uh, I think Troy and South Alabama might, if they play that same weekend, that's gonna I'm going to have to make sure I watch both of those games. Uh, or no, Troy already played South Alabama. Troy beat them. So, yeah, Troy is leading by a half a game, technically by one and a half games with the, the head-to-head win. Um, but, yeah, JMU has two losses in the East. Coast only has one, but, like I said, could win it. 
with the head-to-head win there. Um, but yeah, excited for Troy. They covered minus three and a half, under 42 and a half. Upset City. Number 10 LSU, 32-31 in overtime over number 6 Alabama. Brian Kelly's got the balls. <laughs> uh, went for two to win the game and got it. Jason Taylor's son, Mason Taylor. The tight, freshman tight end for the Tigers. Uh, I really did not think LSU had a chance. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I said watching the game, like, I would bet all my money that Bryce Young was going to go down and win this game. Yep. And he he, yep. he did for a second <laughs> <laughs> until the LSU defense completely disregarded that Jaden Daniels can run. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one play later, they're, they're going for the two-point conversion to win the game, and they ran the exact same play that Clemson ran in the national championship game. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which was funny. Yeah. Everything you said there were my exact thoughts going into this game. And then towards the end is... I thought Bama was going to roll. Wrong on that. Um, and then when Bama had the ball with time left, I was like, this is Bryce Young. This is what, for me, separates Bryce Young from C.J. Stroud in... When you talk about intangibles, but something that can still be seen and quantified, Bryce Young's poise mm-hmm. is elite. Dude never gets shaken. Like, no matter what the situation is, he just finds a way to stay, keep calm and carry on, dude. And, and that's really impressive. And like you said, he, he did do he did do that. Um, just... This didn't work out. And I think another thing that separates the Bryce Young from this year, from last year, the Bama team from this year and last year is the lack of weapons. Yeah. You know, there is, there's no Jamison Williams on this football team. If you, if I wasn't looking at this screen here and you had asked me to name <laughs> An Alabama wide receiver, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And when's the last time that's been the case? Yeah, there's no guy. I think. Yeah. I think. I think Saban needs to get a transfer, uh, which he did. Mm-hmm. He did get mm-hmm. a transfer from Georgia, who is not working out very well, and he's hurt. I believe actually right now. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton, yeah. He also has an assault, like, (laughs) pending, so. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, Bryce Young consistently stayed in the pocket. LSU's pass rush was surprising in this game at how much pressure they were really getting on Bryce uh, and consistently stayed in there and and got the ball off. Um, I think also a difference in – Young and Stroud is that Stroud really hasn't had many games where it's it's been close and he's had to show that he can do he can be the guy and, and do 
the thing that he has to do to win the game. Because, um, I mean, Ohio State, you know, other than the Michigan game last year, when have they really played close games? Yeah. They haven't. And, <laughs> and yeah, and, and you look at the disparity in weapons. Yeah. CJ Stroud is, as as many targets, he has, it's so weird to say this, but he has better targets on his roster right now than a lot of NFL teams do. Yeah. And Miki Buka and Marvin Harris Jr. are probably going to be first-round picks. Cade Stover is going to get drafted. Um, a lot of guys from that old line are going to get drafted. Got JSN um, not really playing. Yeah, and JSN, <laughs> you know, he, he's going to get JSN at some point. Um, but, yeah, it is it is interesting. And I still think C.J. Stroud's a heck of a prospect. There's a lot of throws on his tape where you're like, that's elite ball placement, elite accuracy. Um, but like you said, it's – for me, it's the situational aspect in Bryce Young has just kind of risen to the occasion on, on, on so many times um, to where it's really encouraging. Well, when we're streaming uh, live for the draft like we do every year, uh, you will see me early in the first round praying for Bryce Young and not CJ Stroud for Carolina. But Bryce Young, anyways, in this game, 25 of 51, 49%, 328 yards, one touchdown, a pick, four carries for 10 yards. Jaden Daniels, uh, probably a game of the year for him, 22 of 32, 68.8%. Not many passing yards, 182, two touchdowns. 18 carries, though, 95 yards, a touchdown, Legs were the difference for Jaden Daniels in this game, and I think the no turnovers thing was also a massive factor in LSU winning this game. Um, timely throws for him. Uh, Jameer Gibbs led the game in rushing, 15 carries, 99 yards for Bama, eight receptions, 64 yards as well. Um, Corey Brooks led the game in receiving for the Tide. Seven catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Um, like I said, Jason Taylor's son, LSU tight end Mason Taylor, three receptions, 36 yards, a touchdown, and uh, the game-winning two-point reception. A lot of great defensive performances in this game. I think I'm going to go with LSU linebacker Harold Perkins Jr., though. He was everywhere for that defensive line. Eight tackles, three solos, one sack, one tackle for loss, one pass deflection, and three QB hurries on Bryce Young there. Ojulari also had a great game for LSU's defense. Uh, I believe that's Aziz's brother or cousin. I don't know which one it is. LSU plus 13.5, over 56.5. All right, homie, I'm going to head it off. All right, man, appreciate it. Uh, do you want to say anything about the uh, Colts first? Yeah, sure. Talk about it later? I'll just some, some, some parting shots for the Colts <laughs> before we head off. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be the biggest regret that maybe this franchise is – there are so many things wrong with the Colts right now. I would have placed Frank right at, like, the bottom of that list. 
I don't get the move. He accelerated um, it though. He accelerated the the parting of ways. He they said. Really. He he wanted out. I believe. Is, out. I mean, I could see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. And then Saturday, I, I don't get the Saturday hiring at all. Um. For me, it's a very clear sign of tanking, which, I mean, I I don't necessarily, you know, disrespect. I can't fault them after you've, you know, you've been just trying so hard um, to replace that generational guy in Andrew Luck, and you just haven't been able to do it. To have two guys in Stroud and Young that you could potentially go after. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a head-scratcher, and I'm not sure that they are going to like – the results of it. That, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk about right. it in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> sure. All right, see you. See you, man. Uh, so number 24, Texas, upsetting number 13 at Kansas State. Um, great win for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Adrian Martinez did play in this game for KSU. Was not enough, though. 24 of 36, 66.7%. 329 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, 14 carries, 52 yards, one touchdown, and a fumble. Quinn Ewers was not very effective, 18 of 31, 58.1%, 197 yards, two touchdowns. But the story of this game was running back Bijan Robinson. He had uh, a day that we thought he was going to have many days uh, like this this year. Um, just has not really worked that way for Texas's offense, but... Uh, yeah, Bijan, 30 carries, 209 yards, 7 yards per carry, 1 touchdown, 2 catches for 34 yards. Deuce Vaughn had a great all-purpose day for the Wildcats as well. 19 carries, 73 yards, also put on 7 receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown as well. Uh, leading receiver in the game, KSU wide receiver Malik Knowles, 3 receptions, 93 yards there. Uh, Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Four receptions, 42 yards, two touchdowns, and a fumble. Defensively, I'm going to go with Texas defensive lineman Keandre Coburn. Four tackles, all of them solos, one sack, and a tackle for loss. Texas covered minus three, over 54 and a half. BYU bounce back win, 31-28 over Boise State. Uh, Jaron Hall was absolutely great in this one. 29 of 42, 69% completion, 377 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, 12 carries, 82 yards, and a fumble. Uh, Taylor Green, who I was hyping up uh, for Boise State, had a decent day, uh, 17 of 23, 73.9%, 220 yards, two touchdowns, five carries for 14 yards, and a fumble. Just was not enough in a three-point loss there. Uh, leading rusher on the day, Boise State running back George Halani, 20 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns, and a eight-yard reception. Um, BYU wide receiver Puka Nasua led the game in receiving a fantastic line, 14 receptions, 157 yards, and two receiving touchdowns there. Um, defensively, I'm going to go with BYU linebacker Keenan Peely, uh, six tackles, Three solos, one sack, one tackle for loss. And I know Logan would love for me to pronounce 
B, uh, Boise State's corner, Koanoe Kaniho. Um, five tackles, four solos, two pass deflections. Kanoe Kaniho. Um, that's how you pronounce his name there. Boy, uh, BYU plus nine and a half over 54 and a half. What an upset Notre Dame crushing Clemson, number four Clemson, 35 to 14. DJ Uyunglele struggled all day, 27 of 39, 69.2%, 191 yards, one touchdown, and a pick, nine carries for 23 yards. Cade Klubnik uh, came in for one play, uh, one drive, if you will. Zero for one, his only throw was a pick. Um, so yeah, that's how club next day went. Drew Pine for Notre Dame, nine of 17, 52.9%, 85 yards, a touchdown, four carries for 21 yards and a, and a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, has not had to do much because they have an elite running game, uh, in South Bend right now. Logan Diggs, 17 carries, 114 yards. And the guy I'm really more excited about, Audric Estime is just a monster, uh, bowls over every defender that comes in his way. 18 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown on the day there. Clemson tight end Davis Allen led the game in receiving seven receptions, 60 yards. Uh, great tight end Notre Dame has Michael Mayer. He scored a touchdown on four catches for 44 yards. And uh, two guys I want to highlight defensively, Notre Dame corner Benjamin Morrison, seven tackles, four solos, one pass selection. He had two picks. One of them was a 97-yard pick, six off of Uyunglele. And uh, linebacker Prince Coley as well. Two tackles, one solo, and a 17-yard blocked punt return for a touchdown that opened Notre Dame's scoring on the night. Notre Dame plus three and a half, over 43 and a half. Number five, Michigan demolishing Rutgers 52 to 17. Um, it was close. Uh, Rutgers was up 17 14, and then uh, Michigan came to life. But uh, quarterback Gavin Wimsett for Rutgers 14 of 29, 48.3%, 166 yards, one touchdown, a terrible three interceptions really cost Rutgers the game. Uh, Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy, 13 of 27, 48.1%, 151 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, once again, though, just like uh, Notre Dame, Michigan had their running game rolling again. My guy, my uh, hopefully he wins the Heisman, 20 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns for Michigan running back Blake Corum. Uh, his running mate, Donovan Edwards, 15 carries, 109 yards, Three catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver on the day, Rutgers wide receiver Aaron Cruikshank. Seven receptions, 62 yards. And uh, two defensive guys I want to mention again. Michigan linebacker Michael Barrett. Four tackles, two solos, two picks. One was a 31-yard pick, six. And then Rutgers, they started the scoring the same way Notre Dame did. Defensive back Timmy Ward taking a seven-yard blocked punt return for a touchdown. Michigan covered minus 26 and a half, over 45 by themselves. Number 14, Utah rolling over Arizona, 45 to 20. 
Jaden Delora for the Wildcats, 10 of 20, 50%, 159 yards, uh, 10 carries, 13 yards, a touchdown, but two fumbles on the day really cost them. Um, Arizona's other quarterback that played, Noah Fafita, uh, 5 of 10, 50%, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Utah played two, played uh, Cam Rising here, 13 of 25, 52%, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, they had two quarterbacks that ran the ball in this game for the Utes. Jaquindon J- Jackson, 13 carries, 97 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. He led the game in rushing. Um, and then Utah quarterback Nate Johnson as well, three carries, 23 yards, two touchdowns on those three carries. Arizona wide receiver Tatario, Tataroa uh, McMillan led the game in receiving, four receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Utah wide receiver Jalen Dixon, four catches, 34 yards, and he ran a seven-yard touchdown in. Um, bad day for Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowing, the Utah UTEP transfer, uh, five catches, 29 yards, and he fumbled twice there. So big turnover day, a, a lot of turnovers for Arizona there, um, fumbling-wise. Defensively, got to go with uh, Utah corner Zamaya Vaughn. Three tackles, all of them solos, and three pass deflections on the day. Utah cover, minus 18, under 68. Louisville crushing James Madison, 34-10. Yeah, Todd Santeo struggled all night. Um, but Malik Cunningham for the Cardinals, 14-20, 70%, 223 yards, three touchdowns. That's Sterling right there. And like I said, Centeno really struggled 4 of 15, 26.7%, 52 yards, 5 carries, 11 yards. Um, that was the biggest reason why JMU lost because I thought he was going to have a great night being back on the field and uh, could not get it done against the Cardinals. But 300-yard uh, rushers in this game, Louisville had two of them. Tyon Evans, 10 carries, 126 yards and a touchdown. Jawar Jordan, 17 carries, 117 yards. And then James Madison, running back Percy Agee Obese, um, 24 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Leading receiver in the game, Louisville wide receiver Tyler Hudson, six receptions, 142 yards, and a touchdown there. Um, defensively, I'm going to go with uh, James Madison, defensive lineman Isaac Ukwu. Seven tackles, three solos, one sack, two and a half tackles for loss. Louisville covered minus six and a half, under 53 and a half. Big ranked matchup here in Raleigh. Number 22, NC State getting it done 30 to 21 over number 21 at Wake Forest. Uh, Sam Hartman really had a nice day, but the turnovers were a killer once again for the Demon Deacons. 29 to 48, 60.4%, 397 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Um, I think NC State has found their quarterback uh, of the future, really. Uh, MJ Morris filling in for the injured Devin Leary out for the season with the torn peck there. Um, great game for him, 18 to 28, 64.3%, 210 yards, three touchdowns. 19 carries, 43 yards, and most notably, no turnovers. And, uh, yes, MJ Morris is a freshman, so they will have many years for him. Uh, NC State running back Jordan Houston led the game in rushing, 12 carries, 53 yards. 
Wake wide receiver A.T. Perry, masterful day, 12 receptions, 159 yards, and a touchdown for him. Um, NC State wide receiver Daryl Jones, also a great night, three catches, 24 yards, and two touchdowns there. Defensively, how about the night for NC State linebacker Drake Thomas, nine tackles, four solos, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and four QB hurries. Uh, monster of a night there for him. Uh, NC State plus three under 54. Number nine, USC, 41-35. Close one over Cal. I was watching this game, and what a fight Cal put up in the LA Coliseum. Jack Plummer had a nice night, 35 of 49, 71.4%, 406 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Caleb Williams also, of course, had a great night, five total touchdowns for him, 26 of 41, 63.4%, 360 yards, four touchdown passes, seven carries for 38 yards, and a rushing score as well. Um, USC running back Travis Dye led the game in rushing, 15 carries, 98 yards, a touchdown, two catches for 18 yards. Also want to mention freshman running back uh, Jaden Ott for Cal. He is going to be something special for the Bears. 14 carries, 50 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions for 70 yards there. 300-yard uh, receivers in this one, two for USC. Wide receiver Michael Jackson the third. Five catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns, one reception, one carry for 19 yards as well. <clears throat> he equaled the amount of receptions he had all season to this point in this game with uh, no Jordan Addison and uh, Mario Williams. Taj Washington for USC, also 100-yard day, seven catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. And then Cal wide receiver Jeremiah Hunter, six catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Defensively, USC defensive lineman Tuli Tui Pelotu, uh, Eagles defensive lineman Marlins brother, four tackles, three solos, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Cal covered easily, plus 21, over 61 easily. 76 in this one. Number 12, UCLA getting it done over Arizona State, 50-36. to 36. Trenton Burgett for ASU, 38-49, 77.6%, 349 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Um, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA, 13 of 20, 65%, 169 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. Uh, great rushing game for him, though. 10 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns, and a fumble. Uh, UCLA running back Keegan Jones led the way, rushing 12 carries, 98 yards, a touchdown, one uh, three-yard touchdown reception as well. And uh, Arizona State's running back, Zazavian Valade, also had a nice night. 20 carries, 92 yards, two touchdowns, 10 receptions for 89 yards as well. Um, love Zazavian Valade. Ha have been on him since uh, his Wyoming days when he transferred to Arizona State this year. UCLA wide receiver Colson Yankoff led the game. Uh, or He had eight carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Arizona State wide receiver Elijah Badger led the game in receiving eight carry, eight receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, also want to mention UCLA wide receiver Kazmir Allen, four catches, 63 yards, but 11 carries for 137 yards and a touchdown. All-purpose guy there for the Bruins. Uh, and defensively, got to go with the top guy there, UCLA defensive uh, or linebacker Darius Muasau. 
12 tackles, 6 solos, 1 sack, 2 tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. UCLA covered minus 11, over 67 easily, 86 in this game. Pac-12 after dark, scoring points. San Jose State, 28-16 over Colorado State. Nice win for the Spartans. Um, Chevin Cordero, 27 of 42, 64.3%, 274 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, eight carries for 19 yards. Colorado State played two quarterbacks. Clay Millen, 15 of 24, 62.5%, 261 yards, and a pick. Uh, Jackson Stratton was not very good, 3 of 10, 30%, 72 yards, one touchdown, a pick, uh, and one carry for 18 yards. Colorado State running back Avery Morrow had a 100-yard rushing night, though. 17 carries, 124 yards, a touchdown, two catches for 15 yards. Uh, great night for Colorado State wide receiver Torrey Horton. The Nevada transfer, nine receptions, 196 yards, and a touchdown. And a whole host of defensive performances in this game. I have to go with San Jose State linebacker Ali Matau, though. Um Seven tackles, five solos, three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, and one QB hurry. Great night for him. Great night for defensive lineman Viliami Fahoko as well. Another good night for him. Um, Colorado State covered easily plus 23 and a half and under 44 and a half by the hook. FCS game of the week. I was so excited to watch this game, and it was a good one. Number two, Sacramento State, led early, never relinquished the lead. Weber State never uh, led in this game. 33-30 to 30 over number five, Weber State here. Uh, Sacramento State continues to make program history. First time 7-0, first time 8-0, and now first time 9-0 in program history. They are on a collision course to the, D, uh, the FCS National Championship game if they can get through the FCS playoff slate. Sacramento State uh, played two quarterbacks. Asher O'Hara, 10 of 13, 76.9%, 162 yards, a touchdown, 25 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, a beast on the ground is O'Hara. Bronson Barron for Weber State, 15 of 38, 39.5%, 153 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, eight carries for 15 yards, and a rushing touchdown. The three total scores for Barron there. And then Sac State quarterback Jake Dunaway, 5 of 9, 55.6%, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Leading rusher on the day, Weber State running back Dante McMillan, 17 carries, 73 yards. Uh, leading receiver, Weber State wide receiver Ty McPherson, 7 receptions, 89 yards there. Uh, Sacramento State tight end Marshall Hort uh, Martin, Marshall Martin, 4 receptions, 70 yards, 2 touchdowns here. Uh, Hornets corner, Patrick Dean had a pick off of Bronson Barron in this game. And then also got to mention Weber State wide receiver Abraham Williams. Uh, that Wildcat had a 100-yard kick return touchdown to keep the game close for Weber State. But excited about the Hornets here. Uh, they went plus two, did Sacramento State, over 58. NFL, Bengals, just demolishing Carolina. 
leading to some staff changes this week before their Thursday night game. 42-21 to over the Panthers. Joe Burrow was masterful. 22-28, of 78.6%, 206 yards, one touchdown, and a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, Brandon Allen came in for Burrow late, 3 of 3, uh, 22 yards. P.J. Walker started the game for Carolina, was just terrible. 3 of 10, 30%, 9 yards, 2 picks. Baker Mayfield really steadied the ship, got them on all three of their scoring drives, 14 of 20, 70%, 155 yards, and two touchdowns there. But the story of the game was Joe Mixon. Five total touchdowns, uh, just ridiculous day for Mixon here. 22 carries, 153 yards, seven yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns, four receptions for 58 yards, and a receiving touchdown on five targets. Uh... Big day to the chagrin of my fantasy team. Uh, leading receiver in the game, Cincinnati wide receiver T. Higgins. Seven receptions, 60 yards on eight targets there. Uh, and defensively, I'm going to go with Bengals safety Jesse Bates, the third. Four tackles, one solo, one pass deflection, and a pick. Bengals cover minus seven easily, over 42.5 easily. Chargers getting the win 20-17 comeback fashion there. Uh, Justin Herbert for L.A. struggled 30 of 43, 69.8%, 245 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. Um, Marcus Mariota for the Falcons, 12 of 23, 52.2%, 129 yards, five carries for 24 yards. Was happy to uh, see Falcons running back Tyler Algier have an effective day. 10 carries, 99 yards, uh, one 24-yard reception as well. However, he didn't score uh, because the Falcons activated running back Cordell Patterson off of IR. He ran 13 times for 44 yards and two touchdowns and uh, had a one 9-yard reception as well. Chargers running back Austin Eckler scored twice, uh, 14 carries, 47 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. And then through the air, he had seven receptions, 29 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. Chargers wide receiver Joshua Palmer led the game in receiving eight receptions, 106 yards on 10 targets. Um, No Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams for this game, so Palmer led the way for L.A. Defensively, I'm going to go with Chargers linebacker Drew Tranquil, 10 tackles, 8 solos, 1 sack, 2 tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Chargers cover minus 2.5 uh, by the hook on the game-winning field goal from none other than Dicker the kicker, Cameron Dicker, uh, rookie out of Texas. Two games, two game-winning field goals. Uh, first one for the Eagles earlier this year, and now the Chargers with... Uh, their kicker, Dustin Hopkins, being banged up. Uh, and the under 49.5 hit in this game. Dolphins in a close one over the Bears. 35-32. Um, Tua Bailoa was absolutely great. 20 of 30, 21 of 30, 70%, 302 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Justin Fields scored a hell a lot of points. For the Bears, a uh, hell of a lot of fantasy points. 17 of 28, 60.7%, 123 yards, 
Three touchdowns, 15 carries, 178 yards, and a rushing touchdown as well. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in NFL history um, in a game. Jeff Wilson Jr., newly acquired running back uh, for the Dolphins from the 49ers. He led the game in rushing for uh, non-quarterbacks. Nine carries, 51 yards, three receptions for 21 yards, and scored in his first game as a Dolphin. Um, Was nice to have him on my bench in fantasy, but luckily I think I'm going to win anyways, hopefully. Uh, Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill had a nice game once again. Seven receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets there. Uh, Tyreek continues to just kill secondaries. Um, And uh, Bears tight end Cole Komet, five receptions, 41 yards, Two touchdowns on six targets. Defensively, uh, I'm going to go with my guy, linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle. Did not have any defensive stats, but he had a 25-yard blocked punt return for a touchdown that eventually would be the difference in this game here. The Bears, I believe, covered. Plus four by one there. Over 46 easily. 67 scored in this game. Lions in a shocker over the Packers. It is really getting glum uh, for Green Bay here. The Packers now three and six. Not looking good. Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 43. 53.5%. 291 yards. One touchdown. Three interceptions in this one. Four carries for 40 yards. Two red zone interceptions for the first time in his NFL career. Um, One really bad interception for Aaron that uh, was just inexcusable. Fourth and goal on a throwback pass to David Bakhtiari. One, why the call? Um, And two, it was just a terrible pass right into the hands of rookie defensive end Aiden Hutchinson getting his first career interception. Jared Goff for the Lions, 14-26, 53.8%, 137 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Packers also had a litany of injuries, players going down in this game. Uh, Lions running back Jamal Williams led the game in rushing, 24 carries, 81 yards. Uh, Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard, welcome return for him. Leads the game in receiving four catches, 87 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. And uh, defensively, I'm going to go with uh, Lions safety Kirby Joseph. Ten tackles, five solos, three pass selections, two picks for the rookie at Illinois. Lions cover uh, plus four, under 49.5 easily. Patriots. Just completely annihilating the Colts, 26-3. Domination from the start. Mac Jones, 20-30, of 66.7%. 147 yards, a touchdown. Sam Ellinger was not good. 15-29, of 59, 51.7%. 103 yards, a pick. Five carries for 39 yards. 
Ramondre Stevenson had a decent day for the Patriots. 15 carries, 60 yards, uh, three catches for 10 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Weird to see Stevenson targeted that much. but um, Patriots tight end Hunter Henry led the game in receiving. Four catches for 50 yards on four targets. And uh, defensively, a lot of great performances from the Patriots. Mentioning three people here. Uh, Patriots linebacker Josh Uche, six tackles, five solos, three sacks, three tackles for loss, two QB hits. Uh, Patriots linebacker Matthew Judon, six tackles, four solos, uh, three sacks, three tackles for loss, four QB hits for him. Uh, becomes the first player in the NFL to reach double-digit sacks this year. And then uh, Patriots corner Jonathan Jones, one tackle, it was a solo, one pass deflection, a 17-yard pick, six off of Ellinger. <clears throat> Patriots covered easily, minus five, under 40. Jets upset 20-17 to over the Bills. This one was at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, but it was still an upset nonetheless. Josh Allen struggled 18 of 34, 52.9%, 205 yards, two picks. Uh, his legs were a lot more effective, nine carries, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. Zach Wilson was pretty efficient, not very many yards, though. 18 of 25, 72%, 154 yards, a touchdown, five carries, 24 yards, and a fumble. <clears throat> Running back Michael Carter had a nice day for New York. 12 carries, 76 yards, a touchdown, and one 10-yard reception. Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs led the game in receiving. Five catches, 93 yards on 10 targets. Rookie first-round pick wide receiver Garrett Wilson for the Jets was not far behind. Eight receptions, 92 yards on nine targets. Defensively, I'm going to go with Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. 12 tackles, 8 solos, 1 sack, 1 tackle for loss, and 1 QB hit. Jets plus 10.5, underdog winning outright, under 46. Yeah, it was crazy. There was uh, 5 instances, I believe, or 4 instances that... Uh, the final score was 20 to 17, which was kind of crazy in one day uh, to have the same exact score. Uh, the Chargers, Falcons, Vikings, Commanders, Bills, Jets, and uh, Chiefs, Titans, which we'll get to. But Vikings, 7 and 1, 6 straight win, 20 to 17 over the Commanders. Kirk Cousins was good, 22 of 40. 55%, 265 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick leading them back uh, from being down during this game. Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke, 15 of 28, 53.6%, 149 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Four carries for 17 yards there. Dalvin Cook, not very good day rushing, but he did lead the game in rushing. Uh, 17 carries, 47 yards, two receptions, nine yards, and a touchdown on six targets. <clears throat> Justin Jefferson had a nice day for the Vikings. Seven receptions, 115 yards, a touchdown on 13 targets there. And a lot of great defensive performances here. I don't even know who to pick. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Commander's defensive tackle, Deron Payne. 
Six tackles, four solos, one sack, four tackles for loss, and two QB hits. But you can go with a lot of other guys. Darius Smith had a nice day for Minnesota, as well as Washington's defense tackle, Jonathan Allen. <coughs> Vikings minus three pushed under 43 and a half. Jags. 27-20 comeback win over the Raiders. Jags down 17-0. Came back and win. <coughs> what resiliency from Doug Peterson's crew. Uh, Raiders, third loss this season when leading by 17 or more. Um, ties for the most in NFL history in a season. Derek Carr, 21-36, 58.3%, 259 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville, 25-31, of 31, uber efficient, 80.6%, 235 yards, one touchdown, six carries, 53 yards, and a fumble. <coughs> Travis Etienne continues to be explosive for Jacksonville, 28 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns, two catches for 17 yards. Devontae Adams is literally everything in the passing game for the Raiders. 10 receptions, 146 yards, 2 touchdowns, 17 targets for Adams in this one. <clears throat> but only one catch in the second half, I believe, is, is what happened there. And defensively, have to go with the guy that has had back-to-back -back great games, Jags defensive end Dwayne Smoot. Two tackles, both solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and two QB hits. <coughs> See if I can finish this show here. Uh, Jags plus two and a half, under 48 by one. <coughs> Seahawks, 31-21 over the Cardinals. Geno Smith was good, 26-34, 76.5%. 275 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Six carries for 38 yards. Uh, Kyler Murray was decent, 25 of 35, 71.4%, 175 yards, two touchdowns, eight carries, 60 yards, and a fumble. Kenneth Walker, another rookie, continuing to be stellar for his team. 26 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions for 20 yards. Leading receiver in the game, Seahawks tight end Noah Fant, five receptions, 96 yards on six targets. Uh, Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore, double-digit targets for him, caught uh, 8 of 10 for 69 yards. <coughs> um, defensively, a lot of good performances here. i got to go with uh, Cardinals linebacker Zayvon Collins, though. Seven tackles, four solos, one tackle floss, a pass deflection, and a 30-yard pick six. The Seahawks, plus two, uh, over 49. Bucks, what a comeback from the GOAT. 16-13 over the Rams. Uh, yeah, I lone wolfed L.A., but uh, it was something else to watch Tom Brady roll down the field with 44 seconds. Uh, <clears throat> 38, with no timeouts, mind you. 36 of 58 for Brady, most he's ever thrown in a game. 62.1%, 280 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Matthew Stafford for the Rams, 13 of 27, 48.1%, 165 yards and a touchdown. That offense is just terrible. 
<coughs> Both offenses really are, but... Um, at least there was some semblance of a running game in this one. The Rams running back Daryl Henderson Jr. led the game in rushing. 12 carries, 56 yards there. Cooper Cup, of course, he has a good game. Rams wide receiver, 8 receptions, 127 yards, a touchdown, and 9 targets. Was excited. My my boy uh, Bucks tight end Kate Otten, second-round pick for them this year. Five receptions, 68 yards, a touchdown on six targets. Very excited to watch him grow throughout the rest of the season there. And defensively, got to go with uh, a guy who's been having a great season, Bucks defensive tackle Vita Vea. Three tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and three QB hits. Bucks minus three pushed. Under 42 and a half easily. Comeback. Seems like a theme. Uh, the Chiefs, 20 to 17 over the Titans in overtime. This one was in Kansas City. No Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis. Had the Titans uh, up, had the Chiefs on the ropes. 14 to uh, 7, I think it was. Um... Patrick Mahomes coming back, though, 43 of 68. That's the uh, too short of the record for most attempts in a game, I believe, is 70. 63.2%, uh, 446 yards, a touchdown on a pick, six carries for 63 yards, and a touchdown for Mahomes there. Malik Willis uh, had some moments that, that he did look really good but struggled most of the night passing. 5 of 16, 31.3%, 80 yards, 8 carries for 40 yards. Derrick Henry, really effective in the first half, not so much in the second half and overtime. Uh, 17 carries, 115 yards, 2 touchdowns there. Chiefs couldn't run the ball at all. Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Alaire tied for the team lead in uh, 5 rushing yards outside of Mahomes, 63. Um, but yeah, they have to figure out how to run the ball without Mahomes running it so much. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a great night. 10 receptions, 106 yards, 17 targets. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster also for the Chiefs. 10 receptions, 88 yards on 12 targets there. And got to give some love to my boy, uh, rookie sixth-round tight end Chigozium Okonkwo for the Titans. He had a 48-yard reception on three targets there. Defensively, how about the night for Titans defensive end Danico Autry? Three tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and three QB hits on Mahomes. Titans covered easily, plus 14, under 45. NFL news. Uh, before we get to that, USFL news. Yes, we have some USFL news. The Tampa Bay Bandits, my boys. Uh, I might not have, might not be a fan anymore because they are... Rumored to be rebranding into the Memphis Showboats, uh, which the trademark was filed uh, five days ago or, or however many it is now from when that article was published. But, uh, yeah, it looks like the Bandits will be the Memphis Showboats for the upcoming 2023 USFL season this spring. <clears throat> NFL news, though. I asked Logan to get his comments on it, and I'll give mine now. The Colts have fired head coach Frank Wright, uh, parting ways technically, but uh, forty and thirty-three over four plus seasons. Uh, really a great coach. Uh, it just never worked. 
Um, the Colts never really invested in the future at quarterback. Uh, they've been using these one-year band-aids, and it just has not turned into wins. Um, you know, the last three years, the retirement tour of Phillip Rivers, at least they made the playoffs that year in Jonathan Taylor's uh, rookie season there. Uh, you know, and then last year, trading for Wentz, um, it just did not work out. Oft injured and um, not a very effective quarterback there. And then this year, trading for a 38-year-old Matt Ryan. I mean, what did you expect would happen? Uh, he's not the Falcons' Matt Ryan of old. So until they invest in the quarterback position, I, I don't think the Colts are going to be in the playoffs, and I, I don't think they're going to be a uh, long-term consistent winner uh, without that team investment in the long-term solution at quarterback. Uh, that they haven't had since Andrew Luck. And I don't think it's all Frank Reich's fault. I don't think it's uh, a lot of the coaching staff's fault. I think it's the front office. Jim Irsay has to give the green light on every personnel move. And I um, think Frank, Frank Reich had enough of, of whatever was going on in the front office and um, said, I'm kind of out. So uh, they have skill positions players. They have Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, at receiver. Uh, if you want to include Paris Campbell as well. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, just a monster season last year, leading the league in rushing and rushing touchdowns. Um, but this was a team last year and, and two years ago that we thought was quarterback away and just has not gotten it done at that position. And I think we've seen that Frank Reich just said, I can't do it anymore. And, and that's why the parting of the ways here. Um, so I'm interested to see who they can get in the offseason as a new head coach. Uh, there is a guy in Pittsburgh by the name of Brian Flores that I think is a fantastic coach. There's a guy in uh, Tampa Bay and Byron Leftwich, who I also think is a, a fantastic coach that I think both should get looks. Um, and... The Colts also on defense, you know, they have um, Shaquille Leonard, they have Kenny Moore, they have DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay. They have pieces. They need to find that long-term solution at quarterback. They need to upgrade the offensive line, and um, they can be winners. They, they can be. They just need to hit on some of the draft picks. Um, but... The biggest thing about this is that the Colts hired former center and ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. He had been consulting with the team or for the team. Uh, he's also in the team's ring of honor and uh, no experience coaching at the collegiate or NFL level. He was a head coach at Hebron Christian Academy in Decula, Georgia. That is his only experience coaching. So it made a lot of headlines that there were um, minority candidates that were far more experienced, but they decided to go with with Saturday. And well, I don't think it's a bad move. I really don't. Um, 
I, I think when it's an interim tag, it really doesn't matter who it is. Uh, he's gonna have he's gonna struggle, I think, with with no coaching experience in the NFL. Obviously, he was with Peyton Manning uh, for his entire career, most of his career. I, I don't think he played um, without Manning any time during his career. I could be wrong. I'm not sure if he played with Luck any of that or not. But um, very intelligent. He's played with some very good quarterbacks. Um, and I think he will do okay. It's just without that experience, it's tough to see what the trial run will look like. Um, and also they have no one that has ever called plays on their staff right now. So that's one of the first things he has to figure out, who will be calling the offense and defense. Uh, offense, who will become the offense, because their defensive staff has stayed intact. But uh, no Frank Reich, no Marcus Brady anymore firing um, him last week. So, yeah, benching a Matt Ryan, firing Marcus Brady, and now firing Frank Reich in succession lead to where we're at right now with the Indianapolis Colts. It's a tough day, tough uh, season. that they got to go through uh, a whole half a season like this um so we'll have to see we'll have to see how it goes but um tough tough look for the colts there uh some trade deadline news here interesting stuff that went down uh the packers most notably not making any moves at the trade deadline it's not for uh, lack of trying though apparently they made attempts to trade for steelers wide receiver chase claypool Raiders tight end Darren Waller and Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore all at the trade deadline. Um, and I thought it was hilarious just because I like trolling Packers fans. But the Packers even offered more draft picks than the Bears did um, for Chase Claypool. They offered a two and a four compared to Chicago's just one uh, second round. But the Steelers' thought was the Bears' pick will likely be a lot higher than the Packers' will, uh, the Packers' two picks will. So we're going to go with the higher pick in the second round, and I, I agree with them, even though the Packers are very bad right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I do agree. that That's a solid judgment on the Steelers' front office. and um. Yeah, it was just funny because the Packers couldn't get it done, even giving up more picks for him. Uh, they did not, however, express interest in Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks, which I know was a a big thing. A lot of Packers fans maybe thought he was going to be the guy that they were going to get, um, but they did not even look into him, apparently, with what his salary was and the asking price from Houston. Uh, multiple teams have contacted, uh, the league office inquiring about pushing the trade deadline back to week 10, uh, or even week 12, possibly, uh, knowing that you'll have more of an idea of where your team is in terms of playoffs at those two dates, um, in time. I kind of agree. Uh, week eight is a little bit, uh, early in terms of the season. I know, uh, that my dynasty league we run concurrently with the league trade deadline so we have week eight uh which was this week so yeah it's pretty early and i would i would think week 10 would would probably be good um week 12 is maybe a little bit too late but uh we will see if that comes to fruition or not 
Also with the trade deadline, apparently several teams tried to trade uh, for, uh, inquired about trading for Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. They were told, obviously, he's not available. Uh, would The price would be way too high for what his contract is and uh, what the Cardinals were probably asking for, which was at least one first-round pick. Uh, the Cowboys have their sights set on free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. apparently getting ready to come back. Uh, I think he will sign this week, maybe play next week uh, or the week after that. Um, but, yeah, it seems like OBJ will be back in the league shortly here in the next couple of weeks, uh, whether that's in Dallas. I would assume that the other, the two other teams I can see possible – uh, or three other teams. The uh, Packers obviously need massive wide receiver help. Uh, the Rams have expressed interest in him coming back. And uh, also his former team who drafted him, the New York Giants, I have heard rumors about them being interested as well. The Panthers, couple notes from them. They have fired corners coach Evan Cooper and defensive line coach Paul Pasqualoni. Uh, Changes once again to the Panthers coaching staff, this time coming from Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach, and his defensive staff um, after the terrible showing for, against Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, less coaches for the Panthers um, going into their Thursday night game here. And speaking of that game, it will be P.J. Walker at quarterback once again, not Baker Mayfield. Short week, I kind of agree with the move, uh, just being consistency-wise there. Uh, but P.J. has to play a lot better than he did against Cincinnati on Sunday. Um, and I think he will. They had a nice game against the Falcons last time, two weeks ago, and now getting him at home on a short week, I think will uh, benefit P.J. Walker and the home team there. Bunch of IR activations. Teams getting some help here. Mentioned Falcons running back Cordell Patterson. He played this weekend. Uh, Panthers, they also activated quarterback Sam Darnold from IR, so they'll have P.J. Walker. Uh, I would believe Baker Mayfield would back him up, and then Sam Darnold would be inactive for the game. Uh, Browns getting some help. They activated running back Jerome Ford uh, and defensive end Chase Winovich off of IR. And the Saints activating corner P.J. Williams off of IR, and he will play tonight. Uh, no Jarvis Landry for New Orleans there. Uh, one player getting placed on IR, Patriots offensive tackle Marcus Cannon. Uh, so hurt the offensive line depth there in New England. Injuries, uh, not as many to talk about this week yet, but uh, Packers losing some guys here. Pass rusher Rashawn Gary. He tore his ACL. He is out for the season. Confirmed MRI coming tomorrow, more than likely. Um, also with Green Bay, rookie wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. He has a high ankle sprain. He is out four to six weeks. Bills defensive end Gregory Rousseau. He has an ankle sprain. He is week to week. And more concerning, Bills quarterback Josh Allen has an ulnar collateral ligament, UCLA injury, UCL injury, not UCLA, UCL injury there in his elbow. Uh, hopefully no more tomorrow, head coach Sean McDermott said. Um, not concerning yet for Buffalo, but uh, could be 
down the line, Matt Barkley, the number one backup for Allen there. Giant safety Xavier McKinney, he suffered a broken hand on vacation during the bye week. Uh, so he is out several weeks, was placed on IR today. Uh, ATV accident. Guys, just don't ride ATVs. We saw this injury. We've seen multiple, countless other injuries with ATVs. Um, I'm liking on the Seahawks' second-round pick out of Michigan State that got injured and never really played in the NFL because he got hurt. McDowell, I believe. Malik McDowell, I think, was his name. Um, so, yeah, just, just don't ride ATVs, guys. Just, just don't do it. It's, it's not worth it. Uh, and last injury here, the Cardinals safety Buda Baker has a high ankle sprain out uh, two to three weeks. They hope that is the uh, timeline there, not longer for him. And transactions-wise, uh, the Raiders, they signed former Seahawks corner Sidney Jones, released him last week uh, <clears throat> to waivers, cleared waivers. And now he is a Las Vegas Raider. Uh, we have, like I said, Maction this week. We have six games uh, between tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow is Eastern Michigan, 5-4 and four Eagles, uh, minus 7 at Akron Zips. They are 1-8. and eight. The over-under is 55 for that game. That's 7 p.m. No network attachment there. Ohio Bobcats six and three. They are one point favorites at the Miami Ohio Redhawks, who are four and five. Uh, over under is fifty and a half. That is at seven thirty on ESPN two tomorrow. I would smash the Ohio minus one there. I love the Bobcats on the road. Uh, and then last game tomorrow, Ball State Cardinals five and four at the Toledo Rockets six and three. The Rockets are eleven and a half point favorites at home. Over-under is 51.5, and, and that is 8 p.m. on ESPN. Wednesday night, uh, we have Northern Illinois Huskies. They are 2-7 and seven at the Western Michigan Broncos. Uh, Western Michigan Mustangs, I, I believe it is. 3-6. Uh, and six. It is a pick'em game. Um, so I, I'm going to just place my faith in uh, NIU because Rusty's Huskies was a thing last year. It hasn't really been great this year. Uh, two and seven, not going to bowl game, but uh, have to believe in NIU during Maction. Over under is fifty two for that game, seven p.m. on ESPNU. <clears throat> uh, the Buffalo Bulls five and four. They are two point favorites at the Central Michigan Chippewas, who are three and six. Over under is fifty five and a half, seven p.m. on ESPN two. Also, really like Buffalo minus two on the road in that situation there. And then finally, Kent State, uh, Golden Flashes, 3-6, and 2.5-point favorites at the Bowling Green Falcons, who are 5-4. and four. Uh, Over-under is 57.5. That's 7 p.m., no network. I hate that there's no network on that one. I think that's going to be the best game on Wednesday night. Um, and I would take Bowling Green money line there, <clears throat> fighting for the... Uh, Mac East Division Championship there with Buffalo and Ohio. Uh, Thursday, we have two college games. The Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, 3-6 and six at Memphis Tigers, 4-5. Six-and-a-half-point favorites at home are is Memphis. 
Uh, over under at 62-730 on ESPN. I like Memphis in that game a lot. I would probably take the spread 6.5. And, and then finally, Georgia Southern uh, Eagles 5-4 and four at the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who are 4-5. and Three-point favorites at home. Over under is 59-730 on ESPNU. Might look at the over on that game. I like Georgia Southern on the road. However, Kyle Van Treese and Co. going in to Louisiana. Let's talk about uh, pick standings here. Yeah, we all went 1-1 one and one again last week. We all got the Bengals wrong on Monday Night Football. Lost to the Browns. And then we all got the Eagles right, beating the Texans on Thursday night. Uh, so I am still a game up on Mark, 12 and 6. Mark is 11 and 7 right behind me. Logan, two games back at 10 and 8. And Peter, four games back at 8 and 10. And because I have a one game lead, I'm just going to go for it this week. I'm picking two different games here Ravens, one and a half point favorites in Caesar Superdome against the Saints in New Orleans. Look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the red rifle tonight, right? I, I traded for Chris Olave in one of my leagues. He's not gonna get the the points I need because uh, I need like 70 points tonight. But I just think uh, against the Ravens, the lack of wide receivers on offense is gonna hurt Lamar Jackson against the New Orleans defense. I think even in Roquan Smith's uh, debut for Baltimore. I think the Saints can get it done offensively. No Mark Ingram um, for New Orleans. It's going to be Jordan Howard, the backup to Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara gets a ton of work tonight, especially in the passing game like he has been the last couple of games. And uh, New Orleans uses the home crowd. It's a primetime game, and they get it done on Monday Night Football. Lone Wolf. Ooh! That was so bad, but it's okay. My my throat is not doing well right now. Over under is forty seven. Um, I would probably look to the under. I think this is going to be a defensive game here. Eight fifteen on ESPN. And the Thursday night game rematch. Two games in three weeks for these two teams. Falcons three point favorites at the Panthers. Mark and I rolling with Carolina at home. They should have beaten the Falcons in in Atlanta two weeks ago. I think they're going to get revenge in this game. P.J. Walker knows what to do. Uh, they're going to have the home crowd behind them in Carolina. I hope they wear their black jerseys for this one. Um, I'm not sure if they are or if they're wearing their blue ones. But uh, I would love for them to wear their black jerseys, go all black. Um, and uh, I think that they can do it. Deontay Foreman... <clears throat> Should get a lot of run in this game. Look for Terrace Marshall to continue to improve um, as he has done. And I, we need DJ Moore to be the guy again and uh, beat the Falcons like we should have the first game against them two weeks ago. Peter and Logan on the Falcons there for that one. Over-under is 42.5. I am going over. Give me the points. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored again, just like there was in the first matchup. 8.15 on Thursday, Prime Video. Next week, we'll be back on Monday talking uh, NFL Week 11, the Week 10 uh, closing game on Monday night between the Commanders and the Eagles in Philly. 
and the Week 11 kickoff, Titans at the Packers in Green Bay. Uh, as always, we'll give you all of the college football and NFL game recaps from the weekend and give you the news and notes from around college football and NFL. And then we'll talk about these two games that I mentioned here. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAA po- underscore bets is our betting account on Twitter and FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, etc. Thank you all for watching, and we will see you back for Football Friday.